It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome in to this Tuesday, October 24th edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop on the show once again today. How you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Really, really digging the headphones that I'm wearing right now. I don't know if they're new or something's changed, but I'm, I'm hearing your voice maybe loud you just, and clear, Nick. Maybe you just cleared some wax out of your ears recently. Maybe that was why. Yeah, it sounds different now. It does. Yeah, what's that, up with that? That was why. I was in program instead of external. Well, if Colin was like, or not Colin, if Dylan was feeling the other sound, maybe you should roll with that, Colin. I'd prefer to make sure it's on this because it also means we're on air. It's true. This is the now. I uh, now I'm hearing the true sound going over the radio in my uh, yeah in my head. Being so. on air is kind of overrated when you think about it. No, all the best. That's how we keep our jobs. <laughs> Everyone knows the best stuff happens off the air. That's true. That yeah. is true. As this segment brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, family owned, full service funeral home that has probably served our area since 1880. Well, we got the head coach of the Muslim Appleman, Brian Thomas, joining us here soon on the show, our pre-recorded interview with him. Then we will talk high school volleyball tonight, a huge match tonight, guys, between Hedgesville and Musselman. Oh, yeah. A lot riding on that one. Musselman coming in at 8-1 and one in regional play, and Hedgesville is 9-0 and oh and just swept the Appleman last time out. So I'm interested to see if Musselman were to win what the tiebreaker is there uh, to determine who would be the one seed as we head into sectionals and regionals. We're going to talk some NFL since yesterday. We didn't really get a chance to recap the Commanders game. That's okay, though. But, <laughs> I, I mean, we kind of have to talk about I it. I know. And we have to talk about the Ravens oh, as we well a little talk bit about more. That. And, of course, the Steelers. They got a good win as well. And then we'll talk some baseball. And the Caps are back on the air tonight here on Talk Radio WRNR. But let's go ahead and hear from the head coach of the Musselman Appleman, Brian Thomas, after his team's loss this past week to Jefferson. We're now joined on the sports mix by the head coach of the Musselman Appleman, Brian Thomas. Coach Thomas, your team unfortunately falls 33-14 to to Jefferson last week. What were your takeaways from the game? Uh, you know, we we didn't make enough plays to to get it done. Um, you know, we we it, it's 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 frustrating when you know you're doing some things correctly, but uh, you know you're just not making not making the plays that need to be done to win the game. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was proud of the kids. Uh, I'm proud of their continued effort. Um, you know, their 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 continued fight that they show. They, you know they're they're playing hard, but you know at the same time we gotta, you know fundamentally wise, we we gotta play a little bit better. Coach, what do you think you guys need to change in order to find that success on a consistent level? I don't know. I mean we're we're eight games in. I mean we we got we got two games left. You know at, at times, you know consistency is a problem. Um, you know, we we've we've done we do some good things at times. Uh, you know, we'll play well, but you know, it, it's it's not enough to not enough to win, uh, which is frustrating. You know, we've we've lost five games right now, and the five teams that we've lost to are all teams that are 
you know, highly ranked and really good, but you know, that's not that's not an excuse. Uh, you know, we're we're in the past we're a program that's used to beating those teams and winning those games and, you know, figuring out a way to you know, way to win those things and we haven't been able to figure out a way to win those games this year, which is really frustrating. With all that frustration that continues to kind of just pile up, unfortunately, for your team this year, how do you stay on track to finish the season strong and keep a postseason appearance, hopefully, in the uh, front window and not the rearview window? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an optimistic person. You know, I'm probably one of the most optimistic person people that you ever meet. Um, you know, I, I, I always try to find the good in, in everything that there is. I think there always is good in everything. You know, maybe that's just, you know, maybe that's just my Christian faith speaking through me, or you know, just uh, just the the confidence that I have in in um, our kids, our school, you know, our ability to do things. I don't know what it is, but you know, it's, I am an optimistic person. Um, you know, and, and and it is frustrating, you know, being at three wins and five losses. That's not where you want to be, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, we got two games left in front of us that, you know, we, we do control our own destiny. So, you know, we, it, it's not like it's not like we're staring an 0-10 season in the face. You know, we, we have a chance to to win our last two to get in the playoffs and, and, you know, make a run at something and, you know, have a chance to win it all still. You know, that's still that's still a possibility. So, you know, we, we, we do have to continue. I, you know, I do think you can continue to get better. I do think that, you know, you want to be playing your best football in November. Um, you know, the good thing for us is it's not quite November yet, so we can still improve and get better um, and you know, hopefully reach a new peak. Coach, you mentioned that those five losses all coming to uh, some of the top teams in the state, and that is definitely a benefactor for you guys this year is that new uh, – the new rule that, um, I guess, awards points to you playing a tougher schedule and, and something that you guys have done the last few years. Um, I guess, what's your thoughts on that rule change and how that could help your team get in, even if your record's not what you wanted it to be at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I'm on the uh, I'm on the coaches committee in the state of West Virginia. Um, so you know, we 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 meet every winter. Um, and go through rules changes and go through those things. So, you know, I, I was directly in those talks about changing that rule. I mean, I'm, I was all for it then, and I continue to be all for it now. You know, I don't think it does anybody any good to go out and, and you know, hey, we're going to be the five worst teams in the state and all play each other, and somebody has to rise to the top. Well, you know, it, the chances are – some of those teams are still bad. They're just beating up on bad teams. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for, um, you know, good teams playing good teams and then being rewarded for the fact that, oh, hey, we can either, well, we can either, you know, play Cabell Midland or play um, such and such team that, you know, is going to be one and nine. So I'm, I'm all for the fact that, you know, I, I think teams need to get out and challenge themselves and, and, you know, play other teams. And, you know, there's a lot of teams across the state that won't do that. They won't pick up your phone call. Uh, they won't entertain the fact that, you know, they, they don't want to play, uh, uh, which is just insane to me. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a good rule, you know, to look at a little bit of, hey, not just the fact that you're losing, but, hey, there's a difference. You know, in the past there was – 
there was no difference if you lost uh, South Charleston or Cabell Midland. Well, to me, there is. If you're going to get out and, and play a Cabell Midland, then you know let, let's look at the fact that you're playing somebody that's the number one team in the state, not a team that hasn't won a game all season. Coach Thomas, any final thoughts on last week's game against Jefferson before we move on to this week's against Washington? No, you know Jefferson has a really good team. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and say poor us and make it sound like we're all doing bad things because you know when you play a good team like Jefferson, sometimes they put you in a position where they make you do bad things. So uh, I got a lot of respect for Coach Hunter, uh, a lot of respect for you know the job he does there at Jefferson. Um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for them. You know, I root for all of our EPAC teams as long as they're not playing us. So you know, I'll definitely be, be pulling for them as they make a postseason run. All right, Coach, let's now look at this week's matchup against Washington. What have you seen from the Patriots so far? Uh, they're improved. You know, they they're, they do a lot of things different compared to what they did last year. You know, obviously they ran the single wing stuff last year, so, you know, it, it, that that's a big improvement when you um, are, are doing away with that stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think they do some different things from kind of the Washington that we've known in the past. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put pressure on you. You know, they'll, they'll be aggressive. Uh, they're coming off a really big win against Hampshire, so I'm sure they're really confident uh, about what they're doing. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's another EPAC game. In those EPAC games, you always get everybody's best, best shot. Coach, you mentioned some of their, their changes offensively. Uh, what kind of stood out to you about how they run the spread and their young quarterback, Ryan Went and, and some of the good things that they've been able to do with him this year? Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, 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 just like a lot of other spread teams, they're trying to get the ball in space. They're trying to get the ball to playmakers. You know, when you spread spread people out, and sometimes it all it takes is one missed tackle, and they can take it to the house. So, um, yeah, they're definitely definitely doing some good things. Um, you know, schematically with what they're doing. On your side, what do you want to hopefully see executed to get the win against Washington? Um. Not turn the ball over. Um, hopefully we can create turnovers. Uh, not give up explosive plays. Um, you know, if they're going to score, make them earn what they score. Um, at the same point, you know, would like for us to break a couple explosive plays. So, you know, I, I think if you can execute some of those simple football statistics that, you know, usually things go in your way. Coach, uh, there's been a lot of – Big news around here, obviously, with Tyson Bajan's success at the NFL level. I know you didn't coach him, but um, you guys have produced NFL talent as well and Trayvon Wesco. How do you use those guys as maybe examples to uh, your players of if you put the work in, you can achieve anything kind of, uh, I guess, example of those players making it to the level and putting the Eastern Pan in on the map? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a good question. I think it gives kids hope a little bit. You know, Trayvon's been big for us just because it's like, hey, we, we've, you know, we've seen this. We've seen it happen before. You know, we, we can talk to our kids directly about we've seen a kid that, you know, has came from the same area you came, played in the same places you played, and, you know, and now he's in the NFL. And, you know, the same thing with, uh, the same thing with Tyson. You know, Tyson, you know, he's able to do that not just for Martinsburg, but really for the whole Eastern Panhandle. So, you know, it does give kids a uh, hope where, you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, somebody said, oh, you know, that, that stage is too big. You can't make that. Where now kids can say, well, you know, yeah, I can because it, it, it's it's been done um, a little bit, you know, he, here in our 
here in our county. So it's it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, I'm I'm rooting for Tyson just like I do all these kids. You know, I root for any kid that comes out of the Panhandle is able to play um, on on college football or on the pro level. So you know, it's exciting what he's what he's doing. All right, Coach, before we let you go, we'll ask you our fun question for the week. Growing up, who was uh, one of your role models and why? Oh, my goodness. Jeez, that's a man, that's a tough one. Man, that's a tough one. Um, you know, the first, the first thing that pops in my head is my dad. You know, my dad was a good uh, Christian man. You know, I, I think you got to have good – as a young man, you got to have good men in your life. You know, that's one of the reasons I got into coaching is because I want to be a good role model and influence um, on on these boys as they grow up and be, become men. So, you know, my dad was – I got to see it directly, uh, you know, how a Christian man, a Christian father, um, Christian husband should live his life. So uh, I'd probably say my dad, you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, take it a little bit different of approach. You know, one of my – me being a Hedgesville graduate, one of my one of the guys that really made me appreciate coaches and what they do um, was Kelly Church. You know, he's my high school he's my high school coach, um, my high school basketball coach, and he, you know, I could see the work that he'd put in um, and the effort that he would put in. And me and Coach Church still have a relationship uh, to this day. You know, he he'll call me, uh, text me, um, you know, and he he was a good. He was a good influence, a good role model, just because, you know, I, I could see the hard work um, that she had to put in through coaching and teaching. All right, Coach Thomas, appreciate the time as always, and good luck this week. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate all you do. That was Brian Thomas, the head coach of the Musselman Appleman football team as we step aside take our first break here on today's edition of the sports mix brought to you by parsons ford of martinsburg at 1400 shepherdstown road and online at parsonsford.com they became number one by making you number one first parsons back for more on the other side of this two minute break Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back on the sports mix. Nick Verzellini, Kyle McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show. Guys, uh, let's get into our next segment here. We're going to talk high school volleyball as we have a huge match tonight, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Musselman taking on Hedgesville at Musselman. And, of course, last time we had the shocking result in terms of the sweep. Not so much the Hedgesville one, as we said before. Hedgesville able to sweep Musselman in that first match, which was pretty surprising, and now... Heading to Musselman, it's a big match. Both teams looking for the win. Hedgesville has been undefeated in regional play. Musselman comes in with that one loss to the Eagles. So a lot riding on this matchup. What's your guys' thoughts on it heading in? Uh, Dylan, you'll be on the call tonight with Jim, so I guess we'll start with you. Yeah, I thought that was incredibly surprising to see that in that last match, the, the Hedgesville sweep. I mean, it's a very talented Hedgesville team, don't get me wrong, and they've beaten Musselman before. 
But you don't usually see a yeah, sweep, sweep, if nothing else. And also the fact that Hedgesville had multiple pretty key injuries. Kylie Ann East, their setter, and Lexi Winston, a middle hitter, were both out. And that's before you even get to Elena Harper having been out for this entire season, who was great for them last year. And it, you were very surprised to see that. But I think it's a, it's a new day. I think volleyball, you can kind of see sometimes it's, Sometimes you just have one of those nights, it feels like, in volleyball where things just, you know, they start down a hill and it just snowballs uh, until it's too late for a comeback at any point. And they were all close sets in that first match, but Musselman's got plenty of talent that they can recover and, and get the win. But, I mean, Hedgesville's got momentum on their on their side now at least for them they they probably think that they do you know mentally having beaten muscle in the last two of what official matches and then one over the summer so they have that going for them i do think if you really you know put me in a situation i where i had to pick someone tonight i'd go with Musselman for the home team uh it maybe senior night for them as i was well, about to ask if we probably knew the last for sure game. if it was Unless they decided to make it against somebody they felt like they would be more likely to beat, like almost guaranteed, kind of. I remember actually in a, the pregame interview with Coach Martz, last time we interviewed him, he mentioned because it was Martinsburg senior night that night. This was what, last last week probably? Yes. And he said that we they actually like to not put the senior night on a game like that where it's a big rivalry kind of that thing. That makes sense, yeah. So the emotions don't get into the you know i guess kind of flood into the game you could say yeah i mean ideally your senior night should probably be a non-conference game yeah against somebody that you're almost which would have been thursday but there's also the perspective of last right. home game should always be senior night so you know it's it's kind of tough. right that so, would have been thursday but now thursday's game i don't know when that was canceled schedule, though. maybe that sure was canceled either. because a while ago like the schedule we had was from months ago that could have been postponed at some other points i don't know exactly and plus like even that game if they were playing against millbrook millbrook's a pretty quality team so you usually try to make it against somebody that you feel like you're gonna beat um so then you can get all your seniors in in this case muscle and seniors i believe all of them play anyway so it's not like a huge deal but uh you want to have the those opportunities to do that stuff so I don't think it will be their senior night, but it could be since it is their final home game. At the very least, it's your senior's final home regular season game. So, uh, you know, you want to send them out on the right way if you're Musselman. Mm-hmm. But this is a tough game. I mean, Hedgesville's really good. I think in some areas they have the edge over Musselman, and, and that was shown in that last match. But Musselman has some other things that they do really well. So it should, I think, be... Like, I'd be shocked if we get a sweep on either side tonight. Yeah. I'm thinking probably at least four, but probably five sets because these two teams are really even in their style of play and play at a high level. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, as you guys said last time, Edgesville got a sweep. It surprised us because it was a sweep. It didn't surprise us that they won. Mm -hmm. I'll Mm -hmm. take it another step. I'll say if Edgesville wins tonight, it would definitely surprise me because, as we've said, Hedgesville has beat them, but they haven't beat them twice in a year. Mm-hmm. We've seen them time and time get a win over Musselman. They haven't gotten two. Right, Can a lot you of get times, two in a season yeah. to make your confidence and confidence around the area grow that you guys are the better team? 
I mean, they would be the better team on paper, Mm -hmm. at least heading into the postseason, they would be viewed as the better team. So, you know, I think it's possible, but I would be surprised. Like, I I would think Musselman's winning tonight just because these two teams have been pretty even, and Musselman's had the slight edge, like you said. Like, they're they're pretty close, but Musselman's been slightly better. Um, And and just you you would be pretty surprised to see Hedgesville come out and, and win both matches in a regular season. But also, I mean, even if that does happen, like then it's going to be even tougher for Hedgesville to win sectionals and to win regionals because what's the chances that they're going to beat Musselman three, four times and maybe even five times if they were to meet in a state championship game. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think this is a great rivalry um, in in this sport, and it's a really good matchup. I think both teams do, like I said, a lot of things well. I think Hedgesville has that height advantage, which definitely helps them. Um, and I think that they're still very young. So there's a very good chance that next year we might head into the season saying Hedgesville is going to be the best team in this area, which is kind of surprising. I mean, that's a whole year away. You never know what Musselman might do. And with the transfers, you never know how things are going to work out. But, um, you know, I think that this Hedgesville team is set up not only for this year to potentially be the best team, but maybe for the next two or three years really being toward the top because they have a pretty young core. They only have one senior on their team. So uh, they're in a great position right now. And, and Musselman's pretty young too. So I think it's... Uh, right. Obviously, you know, Musselman will reload, but Keely Christman's a senior. Ava Dunnigan's a senior. Those are you know, two. I know they have more seniors than that, but those are two I think pretty... they have three total. Yeah, I think Kendall Watcher being the other one. But Dunnigan, the libero, and Christman, probably, you know, one of their top two outside hitters. Those are big pieces to lose and versus Hedgesville's top outside pieces. Gracie Brown, Parker Sutherland, Elena Harper coming back next year. They'll all be, I, I believe, juniors. If There might be yeah. one, of, one of them that's a senior, but sure. uh, they'll, they'll all be back. So, obviously, Musselman will still have Ada McCoy and others coming up from JV that are pretty impressive. And Reese Troxler down in JV has been uh, pretty impressive for them, among others. Uh, Amaya King, so they, they'll always reload. But yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to watch there, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Musselman's a very junior-heavy team. It looks like a lot of sophomores too. So both teams are going to be really good, you know, in the future, and yeah. we expect them to still remain toward the top. But it just seems like Hedgesville's built something uh, with that young core that they could be a team that could you know go on a run here and, and take over if there is going to be a changing of the guard in the epac you would point to hedgesville and what they have set up right now mm-hmm. um so tonight could maybe be that first sign of that if hedgesville comes out and wins tonight we're going to talk about them they're the best team in the state i mean or at least on paper right yeah right based off of what we know and the fact that musman's been the best team in the state the last three years so if you beat them twice that's what we're going to be talking about heading into sectionals and regionals. So it's a it's a statement game for Hedgesville more than anything else. And, and I think for Musselman, you don't want to lose this one because then you start to lose the confidence. But like we said, it's going to be very tough to beat the Appleman three, four times, maybe even five times in the season if it comes down to that. So you know, it should be really fun. should be a great match tonight. Any other thoughts on it? Nope. All right, then let's go ahead and take another two-minute break. On the other side of that break, we'll talk NFL. We didn't really get a chance to get into the games too much yesterday since we spent a lot of time talking about Tyson Bajant, which we may still talk a little bit more about him later on in the show. But 
Uh, we're going to take a break, and then on the other side of this break, we'll get into the Commanders' loss to the Giants, the Ravens' win over the Lions, and the Steelers beating the Rams. This segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets and design bedding outdoor, living, family-owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or online at orsinis.com. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to the Sports Mix. Nick Collin and Dylan on the show here today. Colin. Yes. Commanders lost to the Giants, the New York football Giants. Yes, they did. What's wrong with Washington? A lot. Where do we start? Do we start with... Wherever you want to start. The coaching, for some reason, continuously being unable to gear up their team for a game like this to where they go out and lay an egg on the road, granted, but only able to put up one touchdown against the Giants. Yeah, not exactly a uh, scary Giants defense. There's no Lawrence Taylor over there or anything like that. Or do we want to start with the fact that the offensive line is horrendous? Maybe the worst in team history. Maybe the worst in team history when it comes up to, or excuse me, when it comes down to sacks allowed, because so far in the seven games, they have given up 40 sacks now. The franchise record is 49, which means they are on pace to have that broken by week nine of a 18-week season. Yeah, that's insane. Listen, we got to put a little bit of this on Sam Howell, too. There's some Sometimes a sack is a quarterback's fault. It's yes. not always the offensive line's fault. Now, a lot of them are, but, but as, uh, I can't take credit for this, but it was Steven Ruiz of the Ringer that said that uh, Sam Howell plays quarterback like Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> it's, he's just running all over the place. So it's, it's not... You know, sometimes he's running because he has to, but sometimes he's just running to to run so yeah. he's just moving everywhere and it's his pocket presence moving around in the pockets to keeping the eyes downfield all that thing so some of that's on him but yeah it's it's the offensive line too yeah i mean i think you're right there dylan like how definitely isn't the guy um at least with this team and, and the line that they have in place um but not all of it does come down to the offensive line plus the quarterback's got to make some adjustments with the the protections and stuff mm-hmm. like that and maybe he's not doing that to the best of his ability or the best of you know the best way it should be done so i don't know i'm not a quarterback i never uh you know broke down the film or anything like that um to know you know what he should be calling out there but um it does seem like that is definitely holding them back um also the fact that you know, their defense played good, obviously. You only allowed 14 points. But I think there's still some things that they could probably do better defensively. And Yes. And, you know, this team, the only guy you seem like you can rely on consistently is Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And everybody else, like you thought maybe they had some talent, but maybe it's not as good as you thought. Like Jahan Dotson showed some sparks last year. He hasn't done anything this season. Um. Brian Robinson looked at good at times. Curtis Samuel, but he's he's not he's not consistent. Curtis Samuel's okay, like for what he is. He does, yeah. you know. I feel like he was never 
really a great player. He's just a good like slot kind of running back wide receiver guy that you can throw in there and, and do some different things. Antonio Gibson, remember <laughs> they still hyped him up and he he doesn't even get the ball. Um, what a weapon! Yeah, he's the X factor. Um, or whatever Ron Rivera said, which is still ridiculous to me that he even said that. Uh, the X so factor is that an X on the depth chart as yeah. if he's crossed out. He's not playing. He doesn't. Yeah, no, he doesn't really do much. Um, so they have a lot of issues, but I, I do think like the fact that this team went into this offseason and said, yeah, we're going to go with Sam Howe as our quarterback, our fifth round pick. They, they had multiple opportunities to upgrade this position. Yep. They could have traded for somebody. They could they have signed pursued Garoppolo or I mean, listen, man, Lamar wasn't really at listen. They have Jacoby Brissett on the <laughs> roster. He's right there. I really would have do? honestly liked to see him. I mean, during that second half, when what, what's he going like to do that's going to be that much no better answers. than now? It could have changed something. At not least. take a. Not could have moved up sacks, in the draft. Throw like they, the ball away. They had they had options. Is the point? They even have an option in Brissett. And the fact that they committed to this guy after he played one game where he looked okay against the Cowboys in the final week of the season in a game that really didn't mean anything. I mean, it meant a little bit for the Cowboys, but like they weren't going to move up too much in the playoff standings. And I just thought that was a weird decision at the time. I still think it's a weird decision. And it's I don't think he's terrible. I think he's probably a really good backup. But definitely not you know how i would want to go in my off season and commit to him way back in like february yeah it's not like they committed to him at the end of august they said at the beginning of the off season sam Howell's our guy and i just didn't understand how they could go into an off season believing that this guy that's played one game and didn't do amazing is going to be your guy long term it, it just made no sense to me and there were a lot of guys that were available maybe some of them would have been about the same like garoppolo Maybe some of them would have been upgrades. Should have kept Taylor Heineke. <laughs> it's about the same. It's, yeah. it's not that it much is. of a difference. You're, you're not wrong, but that's also why I feel like they didn't go after anybody because I, I didn't feel like at the same time Rogers. There was anybody out there. Rogers wasn't going to go to Washington. I mean, they could have offered something for him. They could have, but he wasn't going to Washington. Same Technically, thing Lamar Brady was available, but was a free agent and went to Tampa Bay. He wasn't going to Washington. I mean. I just feel like you could have traded up. You could have done something. Could have took Will Levis. That would have been better. You could have, yeah. I literally went into this offseason before anyone moved anywhere, and I said the winners of this offseason when it comes to the quarterback carousel will be whoever drafts C.J. Stroud and whoever signs Jacoby Brissett. That was my that was my mindset going into it, and they signed Jacoby Brissett. And they're, they're, they're... Jacoby Brissett's not good. Listen, it's it was a better it's a fine option at the very least, like. I think that he would be. Would they be? Would they be any better than what are they? Three and four? Probably not. Percent? But I don't think there was a whole lot of. You had the. They could have got Derek Carr, up. but they that could. Been that they good. could have went and drafted Will Levis, but I don't think that would be any better. That'd probably be worse at this point. Like I think Will. We Levis haven't is, seen him yet, so I don't know. 
I mean, he's he's not even the backup over Malik Willis, so yeah, but that's I not mean, promising. Maybe we might see him this week. They might split time is what Who knows? Um, the recent news is. I just felt like that was a weird decision to make at that point. It was. It's, what did Sam Howell really prove to you in that one game? He looked yeah. good in the one game. Yes, I completely agree. It's one. One game. You can't take anything just off one game. You shouldn't take anything. Yeah. I mean, when they drafted game. him, they drafted him to be a backup unless something... Unless he proves something. They could have got Tyson Bajant. They could say, imagine All if 32 teams could have, though. It, exactly. It'd be, it'd be funny, and we would trust it because we know, but imagine if this week the Bears went and they traded Justin Fields somewhere. Like, Tyson Bajant, we got him. We're good. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't do I that. mean, it's like, it, it'd be a little much. You could have got Trey Lance, Colin. Could have went out and got Trey Lance. I don't know. I just feel like they, they could have done something a little bit better than what they ended up doing but um it was a weird decision it is what it is it is we'll see i mean maybe they'll be and and the thing is is they're not going to be bad enough to get one of the top quarterbacks this year either so they're just continue doing to be mediocre in another game this year honestly because honestly, this, they this might line be bad is bad enough. like we, we say they could have switched quarterbacks they, they already done have better. three wins at this but point. what quarterback do you see that would be able to stand up and not take 40 sacks like Sam Howell has right now with how bad this line is. Lamar. Because he would avoid him. So uh, a sports writer, a friend of a friend of mine, Justice Moscato, who was a editor editor for the Green Bay Packers uh, SB Nation site, has keeps a running track every year of the adjusted net yards per passing attempt stat for offense and defense of, of, of every team in the league. And coming into this week, the commanders... Are, so this is kind of like a catch-all stat to be like, here's how your offense and defense is doing because passing is such a big part of the league now. Just we'll go off of that. You know, rushing defense... Rushing, not taken into account, but, you know, it's a passing league now. I got you. Commanders are last in the NFL. And it's their defense and their offense are... It's, a, it's, it's real bad. It's not looking good. It's a, the giant. The Giants are second to last. It's a. It, it's not looking good. But will they get it together as the year goes on? Maybe it's possible. I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't know exactly what their schedule looks like. I, I'm not picking them out. to win another game. I mean, that's fair. Like they could do it, but I'm not picking them to. They got the Eagles this week. Probably mm-hmm. not winning that one. No. At New England, they might win that. Mm, I'm not New picking England, them though. To. At mm. Seattle. No, no. Home against the Giants. Maybe. Exactly. Maybe. At Dallas. No. No. Home against Miami. No. No. At the Rams. Probably not. No. At the Jets. No. Defense nah. is too good. Home against San Francisco. <laughs> no. Home against Dallas. No, probably not. So maybe two more wins? Maybe. That's it? And that's maybe. Oof. They might they, beat the Patriots. The they might beat the Giants. What are we, what's the record sitting at now? Three and four. Three and four. So mm. they'd be five and... That's still not good enough, though, probably to get May or... Yeah, five, uh, five wins. Pro- that Caleb. probably puts you around like fifth, sixth, seventh pick. Maybe. Which is that point you're hoping Shador Sanders comes out. That might get you the top offensive lineman in the draft. I know Penn State's guy is projected to yeah, go around there you that, go. that yeah. range. I'd so. take that. And maybe you can get somebody in a second or third round pick but who knows um let's move on though to the ravens somebody that actually can win football games dylan's wearing his detroit lions blue i was about to say that and i didn't realize it until literally you just said the ravens and I'm like wow i'm wearing I'm wearing the 
the line. Uh, someone's got to support at that support them after that after that game. Goodness. Yeah, that was the best game I think Lamar's played, maybe ever. Probably Maybe, the Rams game on Monday night still stands out. That but what that like first week uh, against the the first week of the MVP season against the Dolphins. Yeah, the game against the Colts when he had to come back. Yeah, there's a lot. It's almost like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's like he's good. Yeah, that's crazy. But it, yeah, the everything was was clicking and the offense. I think Todd Munkin probably he got the game ball. He he did. Yeah, it finally figured some stuff out there with the passing game using Lamar's legs as a threat to set up the pass where they use they ran that kind of quarterback power looking play that actually ended up being a pass down the field yeah to Andrews they ran something similar with Gus Edwards later in the game that ended up being an 80 yard play but really that's also some of the Roman stuff they kept in that's a play that they ran to beat the Browns on Monday night as they sh- as they should keep some of that in there there was some good stuff in there Greg Roman just I he the passing concepts it just were not, wore out the passing concepts okay. were not there and the situational play calling wasn't very good either so there's that and the defense Mike McDonald might be an NFL co- uh, head coach next year yeah, I yeah. think I think it's it. We're trending towards the fact that this defense that. is number one in sacks, and yeah. before the season, the number one concern we had was who the hell is going to get after the quarterback. Exactly, it's Justin Matabike and yeah. and Jadavian Clowney, Kyle Van Noy. It, it's like I saw it earlier t- uh, today. I don't remember this exactly in front of me, but it's Matabike with five and a half. It's Clowney with three and a half. It's Patrick Queen with three and a half or three, yeah. Kyle Hamilton with three in one game. Yeah, it's just the blitzes coming from everywhere. It's all these guys are playing at the at their best. Arthur Mollette is playing great. Brandon Stevens and uh, Gino People wrote him off. People said he can't play. And right. now he's played pretty well. Yeah, so. Gino Gino Stone looks like looks great, and like Marcus Williams didn't play on Sunday, and I wasn't concerned because we got Gino Stone. And the only concern is that the Ravens keep giving money to these safeties to try to replace Reed, I guess, and and they are, have been waste so far. On the other side, though, yeah, well, when Williams is healthy, he's really good. Yeah, but he's never healthy. Yeah. Why did Detroit allow golf? To have 53 passing attempts. I, I get Gibbs well, I mean, was coming off injury. Your running back room has a few injuries. Well, the thing Still was, they would run the ball 14 times. They were down. They were down 28 to nothing before like, they got a first down. Yeah, they didn't even have a first down when they were down 28 nothing. Uh, the offensive play calling on Detroit's side was built completely to help the Ravens because the Ravens, like we said, they want to get after the quarterback. They want to bring blitzes. And Jared Goff, the Lions a- would start the drives with run plays, and they go nowhere. And then all of a sudden, they're behind the chains, and they have to throw the ball off Goff. And it's like if you're it's, got third and thirteen, and Jared Goff, it's not the best situation. It's, it's the same old problem with Jared Goff. Jared Goff only really succeeds when he can go play action. Yeah, uh, he's a play action quarterback, kind of in the same way that Kirk Cousins kind of is, and it really worked out for for them last night. And sometimes when it works, it really works. We saw Jared Goff get to a Super Bowl under, under Sean McVay with guys like you know Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley. And I still think Goff is good. Like I would take yeah. him over most of the quarterbacks oh, in the league for sure. He's probably there's you know, only top a few 15. guys that are you know elite. I mean, there's like seven eight guys that you would say are. Are, are elite and then you have that nine to 15 range where those guys can 
depends on the week. This week, you feel like Jared Goff's toward the bottom of that, but maybe mm-hmm. next week he goes out and throw four touchdowns, and you think he's toward the top of that. So yeah, I don't. I don't really take away. I don't really come out of that game thinking that the Lions are like bad or frauds or anything no. like that. I think it was just you know some styles make fights. So I think the Ravens just really had the game plan worked out there but also you do look at their their schedule and yeah they beat the chiefs but it was a different chiefs team without kelsey and jones so you you could argue that they're maybe not as good as we thought but i still think they're pretty good they're probably going to be one of the better teams in the nfc yeah they're not the 49ers they're not the eagles but But they're in that next can they be third sure Is, is there a gap yeah i'd say so steelers beat the rams that was a good win for them i didn't really expect yeah. them to go in and get that one yeah. just because i felt like the rams were playing pretty good ball uh stafford's healthy so they look a lot better and, and the steelers have been so inconsistent but they found a way to to pull it out and Najee harris finally scored a touchdown this season so um the steelers man i mean mike tomlin's gonna get them to the nine and eight <laughs> the very least. Oh, yeah. they're, they're not gonna have a losing record somehow some way uh, and they're going to continue to fight in what's a very tight AFC North right now. Yeah, they I mean, always find a way. It's not a very good uh, sign for the Rams' defense to the, the, for how well the Steelers move the ball. But we'll we'll see if that progresses. Maybe if it's more so, hey, the Steelers might have figured out a little bit or gotten a little better, or if it's just the Rams' defense is not there. I lean more towards the Rams' defense not being there. Matt so, Canada is still the OC. Exactly. I mean, yeah. they did trade most of their good defensive players besides donald so also after this as a result of this game it was just happening today is the rams have uh, cut their kicker brent maher and they're they're adding luke uh, a guy from the browns practice squad whose name i'm not going to try to pronounce right now so <laughs> it's uh looking rough there but uh, yeah Najee harris got in the end zone jalen warren so i don't know well, we'll see matt stafford still looks pretty good but you know, Steelers have a really good defense. That's what's going to carry them there. I mean, Cooper Cup only getting two catches was was something, but Puka still. Pu- I was going to say Puka Nakua went off instead. So, yeah, that's an interesting wide receiver core they got there with those two guys. Yeah, and Tutu Atwell and. But Sean McVay usually makes it work. But it's a good win for them. that's a good win. It is. I mean, they're right there. They're four and two, and I feel like the way they've played at times, you would think they were two and four, but they're four and two. Yeah. Cleveland's four and two, and, and Cincinnati's three and three, and they've been looking better. So, I mean, they got the 49ers and the Bills the next two weeks. We'll see if that continues, but it, it's getting interesting. Yeah, I mean, the Steel. If you look at the Steelers, they'll you know they play the Jags next week. Then it's the then it's the Titans, Packers, Browns, Bengals, Cardinals, Patriots, Colts, Bengals again, Seahawks again, Ravens again, or Seahawks and Ravens again. So, I mean, there's a solid. Well, you can get wins over you know. Mint Gardner Minshew's Colts, Patriots at home, Cardinals at home, Packers at home, Titans at home, and maybe throw in an upset here and there. I mean, they can definitely. I I think they probably just make the playoffs. Six or seven seed. <laughs> I said they would. We thought they would before the season. Things looked a little rough there for a little bit, but it seems like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are figuring it out again. So, yippee. <laughs> Step aside, take our break here as this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online, they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Visit them online at HagerstownFord.com. Back for our final few minutes of the sports mix right after this.
Now, back to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to the Sports Mix as we listen to some Creed to honor those Texas Rangers as they beat the uh, Astros in seven games. I just heard Matt Miller <laughs> yelling in the studio. He is very happy and deservingly so. Yeah, first time they advanced the World Series since 2011. Um, and those Rangers teams were really good back then. And I, I'm rooting for them because they beat the Orioles. Uh, they have never won the World Series. So I think that'd be really cool to see. And uh, they've had some tough losses over the years. So Yes, they have. Uh, definitely going to, I think, pull for the Rangers. And if it's Rangers-Diamondbacks, that's a really interesting scene. That's the one that I feel like is the coolest opportunity left. The Phillies would be a better series. It would be a better series, but at the same time, it's kind of the storyline that we wanted with the Orioles that we didn't get just yet. It was a few years ago. These teams were 100-team losses. Yeah. Rangers spend money. (laughs) The Orioles don't. (laughs) Right. They did. Now they're there. Same thing, though, with Arizona. They were a team. 100 losses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost it's weird. The one that made it to the World Series that decided that the the way to fix losing a hundred games is to spend money on good players. I mean, yeah, I mean the Orioles have built their team though really well through the through the draft and stuff like that. But obviously they could have been more aggressive at the deadline. The Rangers were that aggressive team at the deadline. They're good. I felt like at the deadline they were going to win the AL. They kind of dropped off a little bit, had some injuries with Scherzer and stuff, but now they're getting healthier. Their only real weakness is their bullpen, but they probably had the best manager left in Bruce Bochy. That's true, too. uh, You know, he's been in these situations before. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. The guy has a losing record as a manager, but he's got three World Series, uh, which is crazy. So, you know, I think he's going to get another one. I think Texas is on a roll that looked like they were done. And and, now for the first time in seven years, I believe, we will have a World Series that does not involve the Astros Thank God. or the Dodgers. Also, last night, history continued because Bochi remains undefeated in Game 7s. Yeah, he, he, Dusty he's a great Baker manager. still hasn't won a Game 7. Adolis Garcia. Man. He's a beast. I thought Jordan Alvarez was the guy to not pitch to in that series at first. Turns out. Alright, that wraps up. Today's edition of the Sports Mix for Nick Verzellini and Dylan Bishop. I'm Colin McLaughlin signing off. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon.